0: Virgin Wars. Version
1: Wars. Version
0: Wars.
1: Are you an OG D&D fan? Second edition? Maybe even fifth edition? Tonight, we
0: take on all the D&D versions and compare what's great about them and what isn't. That's how we roll. 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 That's how-
1: Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight... We're talking about D&D version
0: wars. That's right. Once again, we have scoured the interwebs full of various flame wars and found one that is particularly interesting to me and Matt, having played almost all of the versions of Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. I've played all of them. I don't know if you've played 4th edition
1: or not. I have read 4th edition. I did not play it.
0: That's good enough. And so tonight... We're going to go through all of the versions of D&D, tell you what's great about them, what sucks about them, and how
1: you can make them even better. Now I think that really sums it up. I don't have anything to add to that. That's pretty perfect.
0: There you go. That's all we got for tonight. So before we jump into the mix, if you haven't yet, hit that like and subscribe button. Help us get a shout out to more people and get notified when more amazing episodes come your way.
1: Oh. That was a dramatic pause, right? Yeah, we're going with a little karate chop action I this mean, time. I've been doing kung fu, folks. I know kung fu. Fantastic. If you're listening to the show, give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever else you listen to it. So, Matt, why are we talking about D&D version wars first off? We kind of alluded to it already. (laughs) Because these clowns can't quit arguing about it?
0: I swear. Every time I get online, that's why I don't do a lot of social media, by the way, and I let Matt handle this. Because every time I get online, I hear someone talking about OG D&D is the best D&D. Second Ed for the win. Fifth edition. Fourth edition or whatever people are talking about today. Sure. It,
1: they're all fine. They're all
0: great versions. Play whatever the hell you want. End of story.
1: Thank <laughs> that, you. We're going home now. Yeah, if we, if we were going to make this a really quick episode, that is literally our stance. Our stance is play the version you like best. Play whatever you want. Call it a day. However, we can't do that. Because, <laughs> because we need this to, would be a very short show.
0: I mean, it would. we could do that, but sure. we're not going to do that. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're actually going to break down some of the versions of D&D. We're not going through every single version. Yeah, we're not doing the piecemeal versions. Right. Of. We're going to go through over the major versions of Dungeons & Dragons. We'll tell you some of the cool things about them. We'll tell you some things that really we found weren't cool. This is not comprehensive, by the way, so no. don't expect it to be a, a lecture. But we we'll, hopefully will, at the end of this, allow you to understand why all of these versions are really great. Right. And maybe you can find one that you like the best to play.
1: Yeah. You can also find why every version sucks at least a little bit. Yes. And when you found all of this out, don't tell anybody why
0: yours is great or yours sucks. Just find people to play it. Exactly. Before we dive into the mix, one further note. We're not going to go into 5.5
1: or whatever 6th edition is. Or 1D, whatever. Whatever the hell 1D&D is tomorrow. We're not touching unfinished product.
0: Yes. We're also not going to go into the various party supplements, because, again, that could be a series of podcasts, and we don't have that kind of time.
1: That would take us years. And
0: you don't want to listen to that. <laughs> so all we'll do is we'll go into the major versions, explain some stuff, call it
1: a day. Yep. So Let's dive into the mix, shall we? Certainly. What do we have up first, Matt? First, we're going with OG D&D. We're doing these in chronological order. That's right.
0: Dungeons & Dragons Original Edition. What's great about it? First off, came around in mid-77,
1: I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's the original, right? Like, one of the things you have to give it is that it is the one that started all of this. It is
0: the manifesto that started this whole revolution, folks. It did. Yeah. That's what's great about it. It is the OG. It is the template by which everything else has improved over time, you would think. Every iteration
1: has its ups and downs. We'll get to it. What do you like about it, Matt? I like the fact that it is nostalgic, right? I have stories from when I first began playing Dungeons & Dragons, and those stories have traveled with me over the literal decades that I've been playing. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about it that will always touch that sweet spot of nostalgia.
0: Yeah. Got some cool artwork as well. Some of them just kind of pencil scratches, some of them much more detailed and elaborate. So I liked the experimental art styles that a lot of
1: the various artists had. I agree. You can definitely tell when you open a first edition book and some people love it. Some people hate it, but it is iconic for what it is. Absolutely. What else do we got going on for us with uh, OG D&D? They had core scions, core barbarians, and core monks. And I haven't seen good
0: scions since, except for second edition.
1: Third had some things to say for it. Nah. <laughs> I, I have a very, okay, yeah, I know. You've I got have, a stance.
0: I have a very specific stance. Se- First and second edition scions, in my opinion, are great. In addition to those classes, of course, the idea that this whole thing started because of Tolkien fanfic, right? I mean. That's where halflings
1: came from. Sure. Because you couldn't use hobbits legally. They did use hobbits. They got sued. <laughs> got sued. Yeah, them. well, that's what I said legally. Yeah. And that's the reason why treants are called treants instead of ints is because, once again, that lawsuit included that. Yeah, you know, it is what it is, right? Sure. So a lot of really good nostalgia, some cool beginning artwork,
0: some really ad- interesting storylines, a bunch of cool classes.
1: And as we said, it is... it is it is the original it is the place where all of this started
0: now it is very numeric if you're used to playing fifth edition folks and that is definitely something that we will get that sometimes that's a benefit sometimes that's a disadvantage Mm -hmm. uh, depending upon your play style um what sucks about og D&D? it has a very counterintuitive rule system particularly if you're looking at it now yes like back in the day was complex and didn't make any sense, but you still did it because there wasn't anything better.
1: Well, the thing is, is back in the day, it made as much sense as literally anything else because it was the original. (laughs) Mm -hmm, That's true.
0: (laughs) Think a great example of that.
1: Sure. I mean,
0: (laughs) yeah, the, the, the further down towards zero and the negatives you get, the better your armor class. That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: The fact that wizards had to collect spells Because research wasn't even an option in the early editions. That's a good point. Yeah, had to be homebrewed if you wanted to research something. Still had cool magic items, though. Yep. What else sucks about OG D&D? Based off of today's options, it was pretty vanilla. You go into the deep, dark dungeon. You fight some kind of monster. You come out. You loot some treasure. You go to the bar. Well, that and you didn't have a half dozen campaign worlds. You didn't have, right? Like, it it, it was Greyhawk yeah you were built right. you were
0: building it out, yeah kind of in the same vein also in addition to like that vanilla flavoring and stuff it was introducing the world to a lot of concepts that were either from Tolkien or from the fantasy at the time right so you're getting what we consider somewhat boring because we've seen all of this stuff we've got like forty or fifty years of this stuff to see well although the monsters were pretty experimental
1: some of them were yes, but I mean if you really look at it Dragons were dragons, right? Like, there were orcs were orcs. There were a lot of things that weren't super experimental, but the things that were, were pretty far out there. Mm-hmm. Like, anything that wasn't cribbed directly from mythology or Tolkien, they went completely into left field
0: with. Like the Odiog.
1: Exactly. That was literally at the top of my list. That, and Beholders. And the catablipus, or however you want to pronounce that.
0: That's actually from mythology, though.
1: Is it? I I don't I don't know that one, but
0: yeah. Additionally, race class stats all had very weird
1: limits and requirements. In the beginning, elf was not just a race, but also a class. It was your job. i my, what's your job? <laughs> I'm an elf. I'm elf. Yeah, dwarf, same way. Yeah. If any of you remember the uh, the cartoon, yep, that was kind of how it
0: went. It's fine, right? It's a game, sure. Again, and you know. Not to bash on anybody who still loves OG and D&D, it's still a lot of fun if you ever want to play it, but that is definitely what I consider to be a weakness. One note also is there is a basic or expert set edition that came out as well to try to get the rules a little bit more organized because I guess they found it really confusing. Sure. After some time appraising the original OG D&D, what do we have, Matt?
1: We've got advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And you know, with the word "advanced," you know it's got to be better, right? Clearly, it's, it's advanced. Yes. What's great about AD&D? So much content. It is that for me is the major bonus to AD&D. Mm-hmm. At campaign settings, spell tomes,
0: bunch of magic item books. Half of this bookshelf behind me is probably AD&D and second AD&D. Yeah. Monsters Compendiums, I remember the big binder that had all of the pages.
1: Yes, like an old-school Trapper Keeper, and when you bought a Monsters Compendium for any given setting, it had holes in it so that you could add it to the big Trapper Keeper Binder. One of the things about AD&D that they really improved on was the artwork.
0: Now, they had good artwork in the first OG, but they really ramped it up.
1: Like, Beholders looked awesome. They did. But also, one of the things they very much did was they did styles that carried through for each campaign setting.
0: Yes. And that was something that was really interesting, is that the various campaign settings had different styles because they were different worlds. Speaking of that, there were a lot of distinct worlds that
1: First Edition came out with. Yes. Greyhawk, of course, was kind of the de facto at the time. You had... The high fantasy setting, which was Forgotten Realms. Thank you, Ed Greenwood. Uh, they had the epic one, which was Dragonlance. There was a lot of lore for these campaign settings, which spawned a huge amount of novels.
0: I totally agree. And in fact, I would say that because of the lore that was written for these campaign settings in these books, it spurned so many novels, graphic novels. Just volumes of
1: books, particularly Forgotten Realms. I mean, yes, Forgotten Realms was a campaign setting before it was novels. And and it's a lot of novels now. Literally hundreds. All right. So what sucks about first edition ad and Matt? We lost barbarians. Mm-hmm. Scions and monks took years to return and you had to buy splat books to get them. Many of the volumes of books felt like homework to read through. They were not easy to digest
0: for new players, straight up.
1: Well, that's the thing about having a lot of lore, is the lore just builds on and on and on. And if you're just jumping in, and you're four or five years down the road, it it can feel like taking a college course.
0: Oh, yeah. That's world mas- history. Master's degree in Dungeons & Dragons, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, same counterintuitive as uh the original OG
1: edition, although they've added a couple more now. Yeah. They did separate races and classes. But still limited a but lot of still the stuff. Limit them. Still limited them. Still got to have that Based lawful, off a race.
0: Still got to have that lawful good paladin. No. <laughs> That's a whole other rant for later, right? It is. And finally, Thaco. Still, still around. Yep, still Thaco. Thaco's still around. <laughs> another interesting note they came out with a rule cyclopedia version of that to condense all of the rules into just one book instead of like 18. Nobody bought it. <laughs> I didn't buy it. Actually, I probably have it on my bookshelf somewhere. Next up, we have Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. It's a 2nd Edition. What if they changed? What's great about 2nd Edition? A lot of stuff, first off. Again, complete series brought back a bunch of core
1: classes. First off, the Scion came back. I liked, I nay, I loved the 2nd Edition Scion I thought that it had a lot of... Flavor and power difference that varied drastically Mm -hmm. from The Wizard. Yeah. Barbarians came back, too. Yep. And a bunch of other classes that were awesome. Monks. And then just a bunch of, like you said, just a bunch of new classes and expanded classes.
0: Yeah. Even more lore. That's another great thing about second edition AD&D. Spelljammer, which we love. Right. In fact, the new version's right behind Matt. Planescape, which we really, really loved, and Ravenloft, which we scared all of our players with. And, of course, Dark Sun. Dark Sun. Apocalyptic fantasy. Gotta love it. Yeah, a little Mad Max fantasy with a just this blasted wasteland with ash and dust, and a human turned into a dragon that just wants to
1: consume every living thing around it. What more could you love? One of the things that AD&D 2.0 did was it planted the seeds for ideas that that would come to fruition in later editions. What do you mean by that? So Dark Sun clerics were elemental clerics, and they basically were the seeds for subclasses. Oh, that's a good point. For 5th edition. Yeah. Uh, Templars were casters who got their power from an outside non-deific force. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, they were warlocks. They were freaking warlocks, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a good good way to think about that, right? Yep. And then also, spell availability, notwithstanding, flexible casting concepts came with spells and powers. So there was a lot of different ways that you could cast spells instead of just the very strict Vanthian method. Right, which allows for the concepts of the sorcerer to come about. Mm-hmm. And then finally, what's great about AD&D 2nd Edition, Monty Cook. What sucks
0: about... AD&T D 2nd edition.
1: I love the way you phrase this. Complete overkill. The complete editions, there were 20 of them, something like that? I don't know. I think there's... They're down there. Yeah, they're about 20 pounds, all of
0: them, together. So what TSR did at the time was you had your basic core concepts, and then you wanted to maybe expand upon that. So instead of getting another hardcover book, they sold a softcover one, the complete series, right? So complete warrior, complete wizard, complete bard, complete this guy, complete that guy. And so it ended up being overkill of the complete series. They were great books, a lot of cool lore. But if you didn't own one of them and your players wanted to play something sketch, (laughs) then you either had to go find it or you just had
1: to have that hard conversation with your player. Right. You couldn't just, you know, download it from a friend at the time.
0: No. No. And if you wanted to bring that to somebody's house, that was a lot of books.
1: Yes. That is one of the things that we, we don't really discuss here, but everything was physical. And if you played with a group that loved the splat books, you're talking it was a hundred pound venture every you time a,
0: you moved. You needed a hand truck to bring your books to your buddy's house. Yep. There was a lot of books. They oh, is still a thing. Still. Some people love Thaco, by the way. And for those of you who do,
1: that's cool. But for everybody else, Thaco was something that nobody understood. I honestly believe that people, nobody loves Thaco. What they love is knowing and being used to something. Mm -hmm. I don't think they actually love the concept of Thaco. What else sucks about second edition, Matt? The rules are still kind of strange. Skill checks are backwards. Thief skills are percentage based for some reason, mm-hmm. and there's lots of conflicting charts. Yes, so many charts, and they uh, there were several misprints throughout different ver- uh, different books that it kind of caused some problems. A lot of arguments at the table at the time, if I recall. It was easy to get into arguments when you've got physical proof that you're correct, but unfortunately, so do they. Unfortunately, so <laughs> yes. Speaking of other things we
0: could argue about, we've got what, Matt? The question of the week. All right. Although we never argue over the
1: question of the week, what is the question of the week this week? If you could create the perfect edition, and one easy step, what would you do? Mm, Play Pathfinder. No, that would not be the case.
0: I would say there's no one easy step, unfortunately. I think that all of the different versions that I've played, which is all of them, have something great about them Mm -hmm. and so it would have to be blended together so that would be my easy step is to merge a bunch of versions into one so the storytelling aspects of fifth the gamification of fourth the actual fun rules and tinkerability of third and then probably the spell selection of second okay And the deadliness of first. (laughs) His first edition was
1: deadly. That's one thing we didn't mention. That is true. And that's a good and bad
0: thing. Yeah. What about you? What would be your one size fits all? I agree with you,
1: but I'm a stick to the premise. Okay. Please explain how you're going to solve this. I'm going to take all of the lore and all of the uh, campaign settings, spells, all of that stuff. And I'm going to put it in third edition. Mm -hmm. And that, for me, that is as close as I could get in one easy step to making a perfect edition. So just put everything
0: in third edition.
1: Yes. Okay. That's cool. That's as close as I can get. Of course, we're always interested in your answer to the
0: question of the week. And if you have one, hit us up at Goblins Corner on all the various socials that I never
1: check. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can just comment down below. That's what the comment section's for. I guess you could actually comment down below on- Anything. Yeah, Podchaser or anything else. Yeah. So, yeah I actually just che- comment down below. I checked
0: those, by the way.
1: Matt <laughs> checks all the social
0: media stuff. And occasionally I post stuff on social media, by the way. It's not like I-
1: Yeah, you, you don't have like an embargo against it or anything. It's just you I don't- I just don't have time. Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really what the problem. So now let's talk about Matt's favorite edition, third edition D&D. Now, third edition had a lot of really interesting sweeping changes with the series. It's very much so. They got bought out, first off. (laughs) That that did happen. And with a buyout comes, let's change everything up, right? Right. Thank you, Watsy. First off, they remade the rules. That's what's great. No more FACO. Brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) I, I bought the books immediately. Second up, they had a really interesting additive system. Please explain that some, Matt.
1: Everything that you did. If you bought skill points, it just, at however many points you bought, that's how many it added to your D20 roll. Higher number. Yeah. Everything was just angling towards the higher number. No more negative crap. No more positive crap. No percentiles randomly. Yeah. Just a D20 roll plus a stat plus a skill modifier if there was one. They simplified everything except jumping
0: because that never got fo- solved. By the way, it's never been solved. It still hasn't. Yes. It's still dumb. Uh, easier characters, a lot of really cool options and choices in
1: third edition. You got feats. Yeah, feats are great. Prestige classes. Mm-hmm. And skills give you a lot of variability even in the same classes. Feats are the answer to the complete series, by
0: the way. Yeah, I can see that. Which is... Uh, one of the benefits and one of the disadvantages of third edition, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, what sucks, Matt, about third edition? And this is three by the way, not three point five. They dropped Everything. a lot
1: of campaign settings. They dropped Dark Sun, mm-hmm. Ravenloft, yep, Spelljammer, oh, Birthright, yep, Mistara, uh huh, and basically even Greyhawk.
0: Yeah, because they never really referred to Greyhawk. It was, they just referred to like a basic- The base setting, yeah. But go ahead and try to find some lore on Greyhawk in 3rd edition. Good luck. I haven't seen a lot of it. Nope. There were a lot of mechanical flaws, such as jumping, that never got fixed. There was also like a lot of weird combat problems in 3rd edition that, while they tried to update and
1: revise the rules, didn't really get revised well. Right. So what's a good example of that? Facing. Like you had to be facing your opponent. Oh, for like backstab and yep. advantage and stuff like that? Yeah. Which forced it to a large extent to be a miniature style battle game. It was a very tactical way to play. Yeah. Which wasn't a bad
0: way to play. We we enjoyed third edition a lot. But yeah, you definitely wanted to get like some miniatures out or a computer some graphs and charts to see where everybody was. There was a lot of, okay, where am I? What am I facing? Type of questions from characters. And that kind of turned combat into basically a stalemate. An hour-long, two-hour long combat session. Yes. And if you wanted to do anything but combat, you better have a lot of time on your hands. That's what next week's for. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) What else sucked about 3.0, Matt? Once you finally got caught up and bought all of the 3.0 books... 3.5 came out. That's right. (laughs) That's And there you go. I just wasted a couple hundred dollars, right? Exactly. Well, since you
0: mentioned 3.5, let's talk about 3.5. All right. What's great about
1: 3.5? Let there be variety. So many options. More feats, more prestige classes, skill feats, Mm -hmm. and just choices everywhere. You wanted to really like...
0: Lego block your character, you could literally start with a concept and then build via class, feats, species, and so forth.
1: Like it
0: it could be anything you wanted.
1: And that's why it's my favorite 3.5. I make character ideas, and 3.5 allowed me to pick and choose and maneuver to make the concept that I had and allow it to make sense mechanically as well as thematically absolutely a lot of fun customization
0: options for characters and in fact they brought back even more core classes in 3.5 that introduced stuff like the warlock <gasps> so awesome right where they got from from second edition basically right uh the spell thief the dustblade the binder, which is an awesome class. If you've never played a binder, binders are great. Yeah. Psionics, psion. Oh, they had came sound? back with three point five. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was they. They did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You don't approve of the three point five psionics? It's okay. I understand. It was all right. It was. It wasn't as terrible as as I thought. What else is great about three point five, Matt? They updated some of the character abilities. Things like more skills, mm-hmm. more spells, and when certain powers came into play they kind of balanced it the progression through the various levels fairly nicely i think one of the things i like is they balanced when certain classes got certain spells Mm -hmm. and fifth edition cure wounds is a first level spell but for 3.5 it might be a third level spell when paladins get spells or it might be right like it's a different level spell Four different classes. Because
0: if you're a cleric, you're casting right off Jump Street, whereas if you're a paladin, you're slaying monsters and then later on casting. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I think they repaired a lot of the mechanical issues that third edition had as well. It's another great thing about it. Damage reduction, for example, uh, they removed the whole facing issue, a lot of those type of things that came out. One of the biggest things that I think that's very interesting about 3.5 is what?
1: The SRD and the OGL.
0: Yeah. This is when really open source gaming kind of exploded. Because before that, it was very kind of niche market, right? There, Of course, people were making this stuff from, from a while, but not it's, everybody knew about it.
1: The legality was a little fuzzy in a lot of cases. Eh, yeah, it was what it was. Also, Eberron. Yeah, Eberron's dope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Keith Baker wrote some awesome stuff and he's still writing some awesome stuff.
1: Absolutely. Check him out. His stuff is great. Now, what sucks about 3.5, Matt? There are a lot of feats that can break the game if combined in intentional ways. This is definitely the era of overpowered
0: optimizers. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing. This is the, this is the game. If you're an optimizer that you would tinker for like three months on various characters and have this one trick pony. This is pun pun. Yeah. If you guys don't know who pun pun is, go look up pun pun.
1: There are builds that you could do. that could literally do infinite damage and what have you. Common sense was thrown completely out of the window in a lot of cases.
0: If you thought there were a lot of books in first and second edition, I will urge you to look up all of the splat books that came out in 3.5, all of the complete series, all of the various options, all of the various campaign books, ones that actually existed. There's enough that you need two hand trucks
1: full of books. And even like the vanilla flavored campaign books, like Storm Rack and Sandstorm and there was just so Frostburn, much. all the yeah. others. Yeah, a lot of them. I-
0: ironically, though, they didn't have many of the campaign settings
1: that we had come to love from 2nd Edition. 3.0 didn't have them, and they didn't bring them up when 3.5 came out. Still no Dark Sun, still mm-hmm. no Planescape, still no Spelljammer, and- Still no Dragonlance. Yep. Which disappeared after 2nd Edition, I believe. I don't approve of any of it. Finally, it got complex really quick. What do I mean by that, Matt? Because there were so many options and because there were right ways or more specifically wrong ways to build characters, the choices you made early on could stunt the growth of your characters, especially as a new player playing with people who had been playing for a while. You could make a bunch of mechanical mistakes and just be lost.
0: It made making a new character really tough if you were new at playing the game. It pretty much necessitated having to have house rules in every campaign, which is not a big deal because everyone has house rules, like smaller ones and stuff. But you literally had to say, these are the books allowed for this game. These are not the books allowed for this game. Because you could look through the op boards and like, oh, if I choose this book and this one from Libris Mortis, I could make this a, a Necropolitan uh, Ultimate Megus, which I had at one point.
1: Zero the hero. Yep. Matt has never allowed a candle of invocation. We know it's fine. We know. It's it. okay. break
0: it up. Yeah, you'll break the game with the candle <laughs> of invocation. One final note. Hello, Pathfinder. This is when Pathfinder came out as well, which a lot of people call d d 3.75. Right. Next up, we have d d 4th Edition. Next up, we have D&D 5th Edition. Now I'm just kidding. Let's talk about 4th Edition. There's actually a lot of interesting stuff about 4th Edition, a lot of
1: great stuff about 4th Edition. What's great about it? This is one of my constant arguments about 4th Edition for 4th Edition. They had an amazing explanation of DMing and playing an actual game. They had great DM advice. Better DM advice than every edition before it, and they should have been smart enough to add that advice into 5th edition when it came out. Absolutely.
0: It was amazing advice. And, you know, this was really when a lot of new players were playing, like people younger than us. Sure. One of the things I really enjoyed as well is that it had vastly simplified rules, like even simpler than 3rd edition. And they needed a reset at that point because things got really complex really quick. It was way easier to onboard players. That was the biggest thing. That also can potentially be its downfall, which we'll talk about in a moment. But there was not a steep learning curve learning fourth edition than it
1: was learning third. One of the things that I like about fourth edition that I wish they had continued with is saves like fortitude, reflex, will, mm-hmm. what have you, acted like AC. Wizards or casters in general rolled against those saves. Yeah. That turns a caster from a passive player into an active player. Say, so I cast fireball. And every other edition, everybody else makes a save and the wizard's like, Yep, I said my three words. I'm done with my turn. But in this one, you're attacking them with a spell. Mm-hmm. And to me, that felt more satisfying. One of the things I thought that was really satisfying was the Warlord class, which was cool, was great. And there still isn't an analog for it in fifth edition. And I think people really, really liked it. And it's a shame that it didn't make the cut.
0: The updated combat was also kind of cool because they took a lot of stuff from the Tome of Battle from 3.5 Tome of Battle, by the way very choice yes i really enjoyed playing a uh, jade phoenix mage myself but yeah tactical maneuvers encounter resets and so forth were really nice it was uh very fast and loose it was a lot quicker combat than third edition was by leaps and bounds although things
1: did get really tactical it allowed things to get tactical it didn't force them to which is something i liked it cut a fairly good balance between just being able to run combat and being able to run a truly tactical combat. Mm -hmm. And so I I think they did a good job with that and it doesn't get enough credit for it. Fair enough. Let's talk about what sucks about fourth edition, Matt. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's open
0: this can of worms here. First off, the cosmology got completely redone, which may or may not suck, right? Some people didn't like the original Great Wheel. They kind of remap the cosmology
1: probably because they were removing a lot of books that other people wrote there was a lack of character variety that i hated yes yeah, sub- i despised it some classes kind of sucked right well there was also no multi-classing and so you know me i like i like to you know pick and choose and your 3.5 brain just rebelled
0: instinctively I, yeah pretty much yeah now i get it that's why i didn't play a lot of fourth right it's fun but it was v- it was kind of basic Mm -hmm. everyone can heal. This always bothered me and I get why they did it. It's a game, right? You wanted, you wanted to be able to have everyone, the ability to heal so that people could play classes that weren't necessarily, you
1: know, heal bots. I don't feel like clerics got enough out of the deal to make it so that everyone is capable of healing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If you're going to take one of the primary purposes of a class, not the primary purpose one of the primary purposes of a class and feed it off to every other class, then you should give them something that equates to that.
0: They kind of messed up spells, in my opinion. They made them kind of weird. The rules were kind of odd for spells in fourth edition. And in addition to that, the rules were kind of weird in terms of simplifying stuff. And it all comes down to one major point, which is they made it appear... Like a video
1: game. Yes. Yes. And that that bothers me. Yeah, they tried to take a tabletop game, simplify it down to an easy-to-play video game. And with that, they removed a lot of variety, a lot of choice, because you mentioned... The the spell choices, not just odd, but also not a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. There was a very select amount of spells that you could use. And once again, that's not my scene.
0: It was pretty clear that they were like, oh, we could
1: translate this into a video game and just sell the video game instead of more books. And fourth edition was also out the way it was out so that they could get rid of the open gaming license. Finally, we come to 5th edition, the last we're going to talk about. There's a lot of really good, a lot of really bad about 5th edition. What's great about 5th edition, Matt? They took the 3.5 prestige classes and to some extent made them subclasses. This was fucking awesome. This was a brilliant move
0: because it had all of the variety that we wanted without 50,000 books to purchase. Right. It was a great idea. They fixed a lot of the spell choices that were considered overpowered or broken. They also added spell choices. hmm brought <laughs> back some spell choices again.
1: And subsequent books gave several more spells as well. Sure. One of the things that 5e does very well is it focuses back to storytelling over tactical combat.
0: Yes. And again, I mean, we're not going to get into the argument of whether D&D is a tactical game versus a storytelling game. It's both, folks. But yes, they added a lot more storytelling elements into the game, made it more interesting, added a lot of cool lore, I thought. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Multiclassing came back, Matt. Yes. Welcome back. The return of variety. Return of variety, which is always a nice thing. There's a lot of fun stuff about 5th edition. We play 5th edition. I enjoy it a lot. Same. Now let's talk about what sucks about 5th edition. There's a lot that sucks about 5th edition as well. First off, oversimplified combat. Go ahead. Try to charge somebody and see if it works. Oh, there's
1: not a chargeability in that's, fifth edition. Now, there's a home
0: re- homebrew rule for it, let me tell you. <laughs> Much to the detriment of many a DM when someone says, can I do this? And you frequently dig through the rule book and find there's absolutely no rule on it.
1: The answer is yes. Let me write that down. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what the answer is. Uh,
0: interesting gripe that you
1: have, Matt, which I didn't even think about, was... Did not return to the skill point system. What are you talking about here? I do not like the narrowness of having to take a feat to get proficiency and more skills. I like the ability to say, you know what? I've read a book on cooking. I'm really good at pickpocking the, pickpocketing though. You should have a scale of how good you are at various things. Instead of just being proficient in it. Instead of just being proficient. That makes sense. There's still a lot of missing game worlds, such as Dark
0: Sun. We're never getting Dark Sun, Matt. <laughs> Although they eventually brought back Spelljammer. Thank you.
1: It only took them 10, 15 years. They're also bringing back Planescape. hmm And they brought back Ravenloft. Finally. Yeah. So they're, they're Wait, getting there. Waiting on that Dragonlance, folks. And they've got The Treasury of Dragons, which is written by fizzband, True, which is a Dragonlance characters. We just need some some properly done Dark Sun, which they're not going to do because they don't want to do a Psionicist in fifth edition.
0: Nah. I'm never getting a good psionicist. And I've and I've been glancing at the one d stuff. I'm still not getting a good psionicist. Nope. Oh well. That's tough. One final note of fifth edition is this is kind of the era of the live plays. Thank you very much, Critical Role, and all of the Wonderful uh, Dimension 20 and all the other various delightful ones. You know what? Let's give a shout out to our boys in Britain. Um, Yeah, got to say hey to Billowing Hilltop. Yeah, Royal Britannica as well. Yeah. Love those guys as well, right? A lot of fun live plays out there. And 5th Edition kind
1: of made that happen. Why? Because it was pretty easy to do. When you have a less complex system, you have an easier time of not screwing it up on camera. (laughs) Yes. So there you have it. From OG to 5th edition, some good and bad
0: of each edition. Hopefully you enjoy this enough that you can figure out what you would like to play. And again, we'll go back to the primary thing we said. First off, find an edition you like, play it
1: with people who like that edition. And if you don't like D&D, that's also okay. There are plenty of other games out there. Yeah, you can play Starfinder. That's true. You can play GURPS.
0: (laughs) You can play Starfinder, Shadow of the Demon Lord, all kinds of stuff. Sure. Any questions or comments, hit us up at Goblins Corner on all the various socials. Did you enjoy this podcast? We've got more versions coming out.
1: Subscribe to it on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also click the five stars and give us a review on iTunes and Podchaser. And on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. It helps get our show out to more people and it feeds the hungry algorithm. Which is
0: currently writing a book, which is being play tested. It's going to come out version 5.8
1: 5. 7. <laughs> Yeah. P.S. We know we didn't do chainmail. You didn't catch us. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks.
0: The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the mighty D20. This is a subterranean production. Basic.